0: Thanks very much, Neil, for your reading. Yep. Thanks, Alison's going to just switch the laptop. This morning, I don't know about you, but when I came to church and seen a sea of MacBook Pros and a gas lighter, suddenly I was transported back to Occupy London, which I was at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, don't worry, you are actually in church, and we've got now to uh, our, the preaching. So, bear with me. Thank you. Okay also don't know how to turn this radio thing on. There we go. The on-off button, we do that. Perfect, thank you. Um, are you all right there? Perfect, thank you. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make a start anyway, and I'm sure that the laptop will eventually catch up with us. Okay, in recent weeks months, years even, we've all been aware of this kind of squeeze that's on in society today. We've lectured day and daily on the news from people like the Chancellor or the Prime Minister about, you know, spending needs to be reined in. You know, we've, we've all bought everything we possibly can and now it's getting tighter. Excess is one word for it. Gone are the days of saying, sure, I'll stick it on the credit card." and sure I deserve a little treat it's Friday after all and why don't I just dander over to the house of Fraser? I'm clearly talking about myself here (laughs) I certainly reined that in but I wonder this morning as you sit here this morning what things in society today springs to your mind when you begin to think of excess and hedonism I wonder, is it for you, uh, the people that you would see on a Las Vegas floor as they throw more money down uh, and hoping that they win? Yet we're reminded, even Chris Hunter reminded us on our first week with his video about Las Vegas, uh, through the words of Brandon Flowers, that the house ultimately is the one that always wins. Or what about young people throwing up in our city centre after a night out binging On alcohol, fleeting a moment of happiness in a world which they feel doesn't offer it, offer any to them. Or what about those who sell themselves for sex? That's right. It's Hosea. After all, we can't get away from the prostitute word. So, uh, what about those who sell themselves for sex in society today? As it says in Les Mis easy money, lying on a bed. Or, as Dave Thompson reminded me this week through the words of Sailor, uh, reflecting on the other side of the arrangement, I've got the place, you've got the figure, you've got the face, let's get together, the two of us over a glass of champagne. Or what about Amy Winehouse, for some the poster girl of excess, mixing drinks and drugs and getting hooked on it, and then it's too late as you try to wean yourself off a singer cut down in the midst of the, the exe- excess or what about Frankie Cocosa on the X Factor thrown off the show for um, being living a lifestyle that was too far out there his excuse seemed to be that he was just living pop star 101 he was enjoying it while it lasted or what about a congregation when you think of excess do you look around here this morning and see it after all in our reading hosea is warning against the religious people of the day who were dabbling and enjoying and relaxing and finding their life's worth in that excess i don't know about you if you've seen this television program but when i was growing up absolutely fabulous seemed to be one thing that we never missed on a Monday night. It was a treat after we went to the Brethren Sunday school and learned our Bible verses. <laughs> we got home and have fab uh, we'd be on the TV. <laughs> I just hope like there's no Brethren people here this morning. <laughs> but anyway, so absolutely fabulous the story of Eddie or sorry, Edina and Patsy enjoying that biz of a London lifestyle in the fashion world. Champagne, cigarettes the party was endless, yet always in the midst of it all was the teenage daughter being the voice of reason and trying to solve out the problems of the alleged grown-ups in the story. Perhaps, as you watched absolutely fabulous, the slogan of the 90s and of that program could have been, my God is me. And even today, as we look around and sit in Starbucks or dander down botanic or mix in our workplaces kind time of many times you hear the word me in conversation it's my job it's my car it's my lifestyle it's my weekend my God is me in our passage this morning as ever we see the tragedy of the squalor that existed in Israel's lives Intertwined both in terms of morality and in terms of society. We see the squalor of a lawless society with not only thieves and bandits spreading terror, but with the very priests turning religion into a heartless, even murderous racket. Something Jesus himself, when he came to earth, would later reflect on and see still alive and well in the practice of the religious around him. The people here for Hosea are characterized by deceit and falsehood instead of righteousness and justice. They steal from private residences. They mug people in public rather than loving one another as covenant members. As Neil read to us, a long list of place names are at the start of chapter 7, and while today we might not be able to find them on a map anymore, well, I doubt that I would ever have been able to, because this is the boy who went on Erasmus to Belgium and thought it was a city until he got there, and slowly discovered, no, Belgium's a country. (laughs) So I wouldn't be able to find it. but. For the people in Hosea's day, they knew where these places were. They knew what had gone on in these places. And can you imagine the hearers as Hosea is speaking to them, squirming and curling up with embarrassment? But what does it show us? It shows us that God was interested, concerned, and involved, watching all the time, looking to see what his people were up to he was concerned not only with the here and now but the sweep of history of his people one commentator has said that this chapter is kind of a guidebook to the sins of a nation every turn every journey every 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 step that wasn't followed every twist in the road israel going from one place to another It catalogues the famous crimes, the moments when a nation uh, stepped out of line, the various locations, and in the end serves as an indictment against the whole nation. Sinning without knowledge or in innocence is one thing, but it's a whole other ballgame when the people have been made aware of their sins as Hosea was doing, and they continue to do it. In verses 3 to 16 of our chapter, we witness some of Hosea's most brilliant similes, I had to look up what that word meant, clustered here to illustrate his point. In his passage, Hosea exposes the corruption of the palace, the nation, the diplomats, and even the very prayers that the people offer but make no mistake about this chapter God is not trying to score points rather quite the reverse it's the concern of a father for his son the concern of a father for a nation verses 3 to 7 then Uh, I'm going to give an overview quite quickly of the chapter and then we're going to get on to why there's a cooker here Uh, so just bear with me as we travel through the chapter chapter three to sorry verses three to seven um, is the culmination of a lurid scheme in the previous section which brought us all the way from the countryside right now into the very heart of the nation's action right into the very heartland of the capital now we penetrate the palace to find the king and his courtiers uh, not only doing nothing to stem the tide of evil, but actually reveling in it, being titillated by it, enjoying the trickery that is going on and letting their lusts take over. Sound familiar? That glance you shouldn't take, that Google search that's just asking for trouble, but doing it again and again, all for the momentary thrill that it offers. In verse 5, we're drawn into the world of a royal anniversary, an occasion that should have been marked with greatness. In the Psalms, we can see examples of how a royal feast should work and operate, and it should be about declaring the greatness of the king, but also the majesty of the Lord. But not here. What we witness here through the words of Hosea is nothing other than than an orgy rather than surround himself with people like nathan or daniel the king on the other hand is content to surround himself with disrespectful fools the populace don't complain they are content to have the opportunity to sin it seems that when passion reigns there are no limits and no loyalties With such fever burning at the heart of Israel's leadership, it's hardly surprising that the past three decades of their history has seen more intrigue, turmoil, and murder as one conspirator after another hacked his way to the throne, only to be murdered in his turn. Interestingly, of the six men who reigned during this period, four were assassins, and only one died naturally. Notice Hosea refers to the new leaders as adulterers, unfaithful with one another. The leaders are being unfaithful to those they represent, those they are serving, and those who ultimately they should be protecting. Like a hot oven, they burn with passion for political power. Compared to as bakers who ultimately should be stirring the fire, they're not paying proper attention to their job and to their duty. But notice there is never an inquiry for God. They don't even wait for God. They don't even seek someone out who can find what is God going to say to us. They don't even send to look for a prophet. No, no, no. They depend on cunning and they depend on plots. In verses 8 to 12, as we gallop um, through this chapter, what we see is one scathing picture after another. The inedible cake, the first grazed hares, the flustered bird. Poor Israel, we gasp, but this morning could it be poor church? The half-baked cake is the first Illustration. Hold it briefly. We'll be coming back to it in a moment. The second illustration is the man with the grey hair, or the woman even with the grey hair, the person that thinks that they're still in their prime. Um that think that they're still in their prime. The first grey hair, we've all been there this summer. In fact, I found a grey hair in my beard and I panicked. I was like, what am I gonna do? Straight came the razor. Acting as a wake-up call. Israel had no such wake-up call, no rude awakening. They dilly-dally, they continued doing what they had always done. They were enjoying it, they were reveling in it, they were having a great time. Little did they see their hair slowly turning grey. Perhaps all the other nations could see it, but nobody spoke out. They were proud of who they were. They were God's chosen people. They were the ones who had it sorted you know, we'll go to battle and God will win it for us. That kind of mentality was going on, yet it was their pride that was the very problem. They were a victim and they didn't want to be helped. And also Hosea illustrates them as a frantic dove, a nation who was keeping faith with no one. She was flitting from person to person oh here you could help me no maybe you'll be a bit better how can i advance how can i get richer how can i get bigger how can i get better she was sleeping with whoever would give her the best terms she changed allegiance with every shift of the wind and she was prepared to change god with every shift in the wind Verses uh, 13 uh, to 16 continue on that trail of what is going to happen to this country. It reaches a climax, if you will, God's sorrowful lament over his hopelessly sinful people. The poem here that we find in Hosea towards the end of this chapter is similar to one of a cry of lament for a family member who is close to death. Weeping and mourning. God is mourning for his people. He has gone out of his way to help them, yet their leaders have rejected him. The reaction of God's people to his great deeds of power and grace are lamentable they have rebelled against his authority and strayed from his instruction and lied about their love and their loyalty for them the consequence ultimately will be israel's destruction the defeat of her military leaders all their deception god is saying here will finally catch up with them their former allies will laugh and ridicule them Israel will get what she deserves from God and will receive no sympathy is what we're witnessing here neither from her former political partners or form from her God a sad end to such a great people goodness we galloped through that chapter now if you will with me think back to that idea of the half-baked cake this kind of sermon illustration this morning comes kind of via granny Blake uh, and YouTube not granny Blake on YouTube but just the two uh together now please sit back because this could go horribly wrong um yep he is actually going to light a fire at the front now okay where did my lighter go maybe he's not going to light a fire does anybody have a lighter matches. (laughs) Notice nobody's hand went up there. (laughs) Perfect. Reminds me of the 20s and 30s. I I love candles and I always kind of have a lighter around to light candles. And oh, there it is. And Danny that night was saying, Jonathan, are you smoking? No, Jonathan wasn't smoking. Jonathan was just uh, making sure he had something to light um, the thing. Right. Okay. Here we go. Gas, gas, gas. Aren't you glad you sat in the second row, Michael? How precious is that MacBook? (laughs) There we go. Perfect, brilliant, okay. So, yesterday morning, I thought, let's go to, to Tesco's. How do you make pancakes? Well, there's tons of ingredients that have to go into pancakes, isn't there? No, there's not. Tesco's now have this wonderful range where all you actually need to do is get this. It's like, this is what we've reduced making pancakes to. A plastic bottle, which apparently all you have to do is open. I'll maybe turn that. Would you turn that off? No, it would be all right. Um, okay, and all you have to do is add milk. And when I was thinking, I was like, "Goodness, look what we've done to pancakes—we've reduced it to this." And then I thought, "Well, kind of, we've reduced church to this too. You know, um, it's all nicely contained. We're not going to make a mess. We're going to screw the lid back on and shake it and mix all the ingredients together." I think Israel was kind of like this. They were dilly-dallying. They were like, oh, a little bit of that. And what's the easiest way to get to God? Well, we can kind of dry all the ingredients and uh, see what happens. Now, I spent most of yesterday morning practicing this. (laughs) Yeah, and on the sixth go, it kind of worked. I wasn't even going to practice it. Until Ruth uh, Sedgwick said to me, pancakes aren't actually that easy, gentlemen. So um, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm panicking here. So we've reduced making pancakes to convenience. And we've reduced God to convenience, whatever is easy. Oh, we've got an influx. of Sunday school now on the balcony? <laughs> More pressure. <laughs> okay, let's see. So apparently all you have to do is pour this in. Oh, okay, and that's a massive pancake. Oh, oh, (laughs) my, it's not going to (laughs) work. Right, you're good at this. (laughs) Oh, there we go, we're starting to heat up. Brilliant, great, great, great. You see, this is the great part about this sermon, because you don't actually have to be able to make a pancake because it's half-baked, so, you know, it's supposed to look wrong. Let's see what's happening. Now, we'll wait for the bubbles, and we need a plate, right? Let's see. Here we go. Oh, do My mother's gonna kill me. You know, this is her new Tefal non-stick pan. <laughs> Let's just say the conversation in our house this morning was great. It was like, you come home with that thing broke, and I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, it's sticking. Say, it's not non-stick. <laughs> I'm actually not a Tefal salesman this morning. Don't worry. Tea file t fowl even? oh dear? <laughs> well, it's half baked, quite literally. <laughs> to, to the back. Oh, why did I do this to myself? I don't know. It worked yesterday morning in the comfort of your own home, and then you bring it here and it all goes horribly wrong. Oh, oh. That is actually really stuck down if you Yeah, it's kinda it's kinda kind of high. Um now we're following health and safety, we're gonna throw it out really quickly. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, this is Israel's reaction to God. They dabbled, they were in the right environment, they were still his people, they were in the, the frying pan, if you will, they, were, they had all the right ingredients, they had followed Moses, they had followed the commandments, they had followed the laws, yet there was something sadly missing. They weren't flipped over, they were only partially cooked. And the point of that this morning was not to embarrass me or make a mess at the front of the church, but basically to illustrate the point this morning that I want you to think about, are you half-baked as you sit here this morning? For you, is your spiritual life just a game of kind of, oh, blah, well, well, whenever it suits or, you know, today's all right, but tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's that big business meeting. You know, I'll look after that. God doesn't need to be in there either. It's all about authenticity this morning. It's all about being real because when we're truly in the presence of God that's when we begin to be vibrant and have a lasting and real faith. Religion itself is a word that gets bandied round and round day after day after day after day. We're not about religion on its own. This morning we're here and we're about faith. You know we can't pretend our way into a powerful prayer life. Knowledge won't give us any impact. We won't authentically display something until we feel it from within. It's not that we should discount religion, but it's that we should recognize that a real thriving spiritual existence comes from nothing else but a living, breathing real relationship with Christ. When we allow the words of the pages to be the words that we walk on the streets, that's when it becomes real. That's when we take it from the book and walk it out. This morning, we want to... Thank you, Danny. This morning, we want to walk this gospel. We want to walk this Bible through the streets in our community. We want to walk this gospel in our workplaces. We don't want this morning to be half-baked because as we have seen what can come from that God's damning indictment of rejection oh this morning please let none of us leave here half-baked thank you we just pray briefly and then have our final hymn Heavenly Father, we just thank you that time and time again in your words you confront us with the realities of life. Father, forgive us for times when we have turned our back, for times when we thought, sure, I can do better. But Father, help us continually, day by day, recognize that you are in full control and that through your suffering in Jesus we have the only way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.